1: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by E.P. Wealth.
2: Let's start with a little bit of bad humor, shall we? What do you call a loony spaceman? An astronaut. What was the first animal in space? The cow. The cow that jumped over the moon. I know you're saying "What are these third graders. Yes. Why did Venus have to get an air conditioner? Why did Venus have to get an air conditioner? Because Mercury moved in. Da-dun-dun-sh. This leads to SpaceX's completing major starship test and prep for rocket's first orbital launch attempt. I think what SpaceX is doing is pretty cool. Um, my kids look at it and they go, I kind of want to do something like that. And when my kids kind of say they want to be a rocket engineer, I'm like, thank you, Elon Musk. Now, let's not talk about what Elon Musk says on Twitter about other people. But SpaceX has completed a major Starship test and prep for rockets. First orbital launch attempt, Starship Prototype 24. It's stacked on super heavy booster. Prototype seven was fueled up on SpaceX's Starbase facility in Texas. It's a test known as a wet dress rehearsal. An orbital launch attempt of Starship marks the next step in flight testing for the rocket. Um, pretty cool. That's how I'm starting the show today. I know you're saying that was an odd way to start the show today. A little different than you normally do. Typically, you say about how the markets do yesterday. Well, the markets yesterday were up. Nasdaq was up two percent. SP 500 up one point one percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up three, uh, three quarters of one woo-hoo,
3: percent. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, woo-hoo.
2: Wayfair was up twenty six percent. Wayfair announced they're cutting some jobs. Wayfair is a wild company. I want nothing to do with it. But it's the flavor du jour that makes sense right now. And you're going to say, that doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about that one, Rob. Back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. Wayfair was a company that makes furniture. And we saw some trouble that Wayfair got in. Let me remind you, back in the Trump administration, when we're housing immigrants from South America. And to not detaining them, holding them. And we're well, anyway, Wayfair was providing a lot of the furniture for these holding areas down in Texas. And the employees got freaked out. They're like, we're 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 abusing human beings. And they rightfully said to their bosses, we're abusing human beings. And the boss is like, well, quit then. That's the first time I really heard of Wayfair. And then getting a, a vacation home, I started seeing some Wayfair and like, oh, they can get a dresser to us in two weeks instead of through Pottery Barn in six months. I'm like, let's do that. Uh, Quality is not quite as p- good as Pottery Barn, but let's seriously do that. So Wayfair back during the pandemic when we were buying furniture because we couldn't go see it we were buying it online, it was a $314 stock before the pandemic. It was a $50 stock that boom went to 300 and then crash end of pandemic. It goes back to 30 yesterday. It was up 24 bucks. It was a big move. And it was one of the things that I hate saying, I told you so, but in this case, I'm going to say, I told you so they announced job cuts and wall street loves job cuts. If we were in a healthy stock market right now, I think there'd be some more momentum to be had in shares of wayfair. But because also when they were at $300 in the pandemic, they weren't making money. Now they're making money and they're doing job cuts. It's like, okay, you see where I'm going on that, okay? Let's keep moving forward. Um, tech companies goosed to the market yesterday. That's nice to see. We're starting to think that peak podcast may be behind us. Spotify announced yesterday that it'll uh, lay off 600 employees. I love it when you email me your favorite podcast. If I had a kid who's 16 years old, I would have them listen to the Money with Katie podcast. I think she does an amazing job. I should try to get her on the show. I really should because I I think she does a really, really nice job. It's not perfect, but you know what? I find it very attractive that young people are thinking this way. And she's going to do a great job, and she's going to help a lot of young people start saving money. I think that's the best thing I could say. I'm actually smiling through the microphone right now. Spotify yesterday cited overambitious pandemic growth as their primary cause of cutting 6% of its uh, workforce. The big content manager who came over from a marketing firm um, left the company yesterday. The sign is slowing down the full steam approach into the podcast world. Her name was Don Ostroff. She was chief content officer. She did a billion plus dollars podcasting arm race to sign deals with companies like Gimlet. She got high profile talent like Barack and Michelle Obama, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and Joe Rogan. I kind of figured out who Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are. And please, please forgive me for saying this. I think they're the Kardashians of of Europe. I think they're willing to do anything. Uh, Prince Harry said he killed like 52 people in the war and on terrorism. And no soldier will ever tell you that because it puts other soldiers at risk. He didn't kill 52 people. Um, But he's willing to say that because he wants to make one billion dollars, just like just like the Kardashians. I know you're saying the Kardashians, what did they give up? Well, they gave up being a rich family in L.A. for being a rich family in L.A. who shared their their eldest daughter's sex video. And it's pretty well known that the mom shared that. As a way of getting them more exposure. So anyway, that's Prince Harry and Meghan Markle in my mind. But like Joe Rogan, is he going to ever pay off for Spotify? Probably not, is the answer. Elsewhere out there, the podcast mega deals in the pandemic may have been premature. Podcasting made up just 7% of total listing on Spotify in first quarter of 2022, despite massive investment in tentpole shows. The Gimlet and the unions announced that making certain shows, Spotify exclusives, reduce their listenership by as much as 75%. You can get this podcast on any place you find podcast. Just tell a friend. That's all I ask in return. And if we're uh, ever in a situation, I say, can you scratch my back? I got it itched. Scratch my back. I love a good back scratch. I think we should uh, incorporate that into our everyday lives. Um, okay, okay. Let's do a quick little teaching moment. Um, What is a REIT? A REIT is a real estate investment trust. And it was created by Congress way back in the 60s as a way to, it might not have been the 60s, but it was right around the 60s, as a way for congressmen to basically say, you're wealthy, I'm wealthy. Uh, Let's pass a law that says there's a new type of security called a REIT, a real estate investment trust. It's for people who want to own real estate properties that generate income or equity and they trade on the stock market i don't like the non-traded reits they don't have as much disclosure or accountability as sec qualified reits um i like them as a non-play on the wall street and i own some reits that pay me on a monthly basis as well as a quarterly basis for the business that they operate on it could be a movie theater it could be an office building it could be a lot of things. So consider part of your income portfolio, a real estate investment trust or REIT. And you know the beautiful thing about that is, and Money with Katie, she can steal this if she wants to, as you're talking to younger people. Younger people are really discouraged that they can't own real estate, but they can own real estate. You can own $100 worth of it. You don't have to own the 30-year mortgage of it. I don't have time to get into it in this segment, but that's a quick business 101 on REITs. Another mass shooting in California leaves seven dead. That's was about 15 minutes from my previous house, about f- 30 minutes from my current house in Half Moon Bay. Crazy times. I don't like it. I don't like it. COVID shots are going to be more like flu shots this year. Regular updates, it looks like. You can find me online at Rob Black show. Big event coming up in Cupertino. Sign up at robblackshow.com.
1: Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show.
2: Last year, I took my... Position in Amazon. It's been a rough ride. They're cutting 18,000 workers, and yet they added 80,000 in the previous two years. They're still growing. They're growing a little too fast, in my opinion. I don't like everything that they do in any way, shape, or form. I do think Prime is getting more and more expensive. Which is creating a situation where people look at their wallets and say, do I really need that or not? It's a good question. But Amazon added a new perk that I think is pretty enticing. They announced a prescription perk for Prime members. The add-on called Rx Pass will allow Prime members to get as many drugs as they need from a list of 50 generic medicines to treat 80 common chronic conditions such as high blood pressure anxiety, and diabetes. The service costs $5 a month. The delivery is free if you have Amazon Prime. Are you telling me I can get generic medications treat more than 80? Like, Is this on prescription? I need to know a little bit more. I need to know a little bit more. I'm not taking a lot of pills right now, but in the next 5, 10 years, I expect to take more. When my mom was 65, 67 years old in that time frame, she was taking seven or eight medications a day until the day she died. Amazon introduced and shut down a telehealth service called Amazon Care. In July, it announced it would acquire boutique primary care provider One Medical. Amazon also offers a prime prescription savings benefit, which offers up to 80% off on generic medications and up to 40% on brand name prescriptions. Their pharmacy is not in the top five at this point in time. And it's not a top perk for Prime members compared to CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart. Um, They don't offer insulin or specialty medications, and it's not available for people on Medicaid or Medicare. But approximately 150 million people are on at least one of the medications included in the initial RxPass formulary. And it's a way of saving money. And when you're older and you need your meds, you, you try not to cut those out of your life. You try to keep affording them. But you hear stories, my grandfather, like, he cut cable TV because he couldn't afford his, his his medicines. No, he cut his medicines because he, he wasn't going to lose the cable TV. Just throwing that down there for you. Um, let's talk about that perfect credit score. I've seen one in my lifetime. And it was, I kind of want to tell you that it was like a, a really good looking woman who, like. I was at a bar and I said, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And she pulls out her credit report and like, whoa, an eight fifty. Holy mackerel. No, it's just some some random dude. Uh there is no connection between us. But it's the unicorn of love. A line of credit report um can show you your utilization rate. Whether you've paid off your car loans or not. Um sometimes when you pay off your car loan you lose that line of credit and suddenly your your credit score goes down 30 points. That's like, whoa. So misconception number one, that debt is bad. This is a really weird one for me to talk about out loud because I grew up with the idea that credit card debt's bad. So when I turned 18, I'm like, credit card debt's evil. But when I started to invest and learn more about money, I'm like, it can be used intelligently. Your credit score, the three-digit number that determines the interest rate you'll pay for credit cards, car loans, mortgages, it's based on a number of factors. It's a measure of how much you're borrowing and how responsible you've been in repaying those payments. You actually have to have debt in order to have a credit report. If you are one of those people who pay with only cash, you might be a mysterious unicorn on the other side. Not an 850 perfect score, but a zero, like you don't even exist. And I've only seen that one time. And that happened to be an immigrant who came to our country, became a janitor, had a legit job, became a citizen, had a legit job. But in his immigration world. He didn't come from a world where it was safe to borrow money at all. So he didn't. Consumers with the highest scores owe an average of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, including mortgages. I have a few mortgages and I've made mortgage payments on time every time. So when I found my spouse. I know you're saying you found her. Yeah, I actually had a GPS spouse locator. She gets lost all the time. But when I actually came together with finances, she paid bills late. I'm like, nope, not on my watch. I'm going to pay all the bills. And I took it over like a man. And it was dumb to do because I was a little bit too brash. But I did it. Borrowers with a credit score of 800 or higher pay their bills on time every time. Having a four-year auto loan in good standing will work to your advantage. I will only take an auto loan if it's at 3% or under. And even then, it's like, ugh. Lenders always want to see that you're responsible. So, the length of your credit history is one of the most important factors in a credit score. Misconception number two. Debt's not bad, and not all debt is the same. That's misconception number two. Your credit mix should involve more than just having three credit cards. The ideal mix is a blend of installment loans, like an auto loan, a student loan, a mortgage. Um, You get that ideal mix of, well, okay, so he was a student and he's paying that back over 20 years or whatever. He's doing a mortgage at 15 years or an investment property at 15 years and his home mortgage at 30 Then he uh, took out a home equity line so he could do some improvements, and he's paying everything back. That's going to improve your score. Only about 1.6% of 232 million U.S. consumers with a credit score have a perfect 850. I find that hard to believe because I've only seen it once. Oh, and before the record, there's a nice app, and I want you to get this, the guy who's listening who's 25 years old. And I want you to get this. The divorcee who was married for 25 years and the gray divorce happens, the kids are out of the house, and suddenly you're like, whoa, uh, I wasn't quite ready for that. It's an app called Credit Karma. Uh, it doesn't affect your credit score, and you can see your credit score, and you can see – and there's another way, way of doing that is go to annualcreditreport.com. And you can do that three times a year, from one from each different bureau. And when I was a dating man, I would show up on like my second date and I have my credit report. I'm really like, can I show you mine if you show me yours? And she's like, it's a little early for the second date. I'm like, no, 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 no. Credit report, credit report, credit report. I think savers should marry savers. And I think spenders should marry spenders. I think people who make late payments should marry people with late payments. I know you're saying that's crazy. But you know what else is on your credit report? Your addresses um, your and your jobs. And I just think it's a nice way to get to know someone. I know you're saying you're crazy. Aside from bragging rights, you don't gain an advantage by being an 850. Each lender sets their own credit score thresholds for who they consider the most credit worthy. Anything over 800 is typically considered gravy. In some cases, the difference between 760 and 800 is not that significant. I know people who stress more about their credit score than they do about putting money into their 401k. And that's silly. Um, I would say... Pay your bills on time. Automate them with uh, online payments if you can. I got a new credit card last year, Verizon. They offered me 4% off on restaurants and gas. I'm like, okay, that's my new restaurant and gas card. And instantly I get it and I set up an account so that I pay it every single month. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial.
1: What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by E.P. Wealth.
2: Oscar nominations are out. The nominations for the 95th Annual Academy Awards were announced this morning. What's interesting about the Academy Awards is it used to be a real big thing on primetime. And every year the ratings go down a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It used to be the Super Bowl of commercials. Where they knew that they had you for three hours. And I would say it's not so much now. A phrase that I never, ever thought would come out of my mouth. And it's not about Will Smith's uh, wife. Top Gun. Maverick is nominated for Best Picture. That's, to me, kind of sad. I think that movie was a fever dream. I think he died in the first five minutes. Not to ruin it for you. But um, it was a pretty awful film. Growing up in the military, none of that would happen. happened. Women talking. That was a fantastic movie. Sarah Pauly did a, um, what it's like to be in a cult where the women are getting raped by men who are told them, uh, I'd, uh just settle down there, little lady. And it was based on a true story. It's crazy. All this was fun to watch, and that's my all my reviews. Thank you very much. Academy Awards coming up very soon. Let's bring on Tony Mendez from Bay dot Source.com. It's Bay dot Source.com. He does all of my loans, which is interesting to note. Um, he's done all of them except for the, I think the very first one or the second one um that's good to know how are you mr mendez uh on top of all of this stuff you do first time home buyers you do private money hybrid private money interest only investor loans conventional loans renovation loans reverse mortgages you need a loan he'll get it done tony how are you um, good morning i'm doing well so let's talk about some real estate thoughts because I'm staying normal. I'm staying consistent. I haven't changed in the last year. Um, I still expect to pick up another investment property for income and retirement or my retirement home, hopefully at the end of 2023, start of 2024. Um, Staying normal is a big thing for me. Shopping for a home loan has always freaked people out because they think they can outsmart the system. They think they can call Tony and say, how much can I get? And what's my rate going to be? And they call someone else, like maybe Bank of America, a local bank on the corner of their small hometown. And Bank of America says something slightly different. Why is it so different? Why is it like price shopping is, isn't is a menu, a prefix a, a with a good credit score? It's a job. I don't know. Well, there's, why isn't
3: it... there's a couple of reasons why it's so different from one type of lender to another, or to a bank or to a broker because um, they're all trying different kind of angles to get your attention. Some of them are going to aim towards a better rate, That I think that's what's going to attract you, or some are going to aim towards a better cost, regardless of the rate, and some are going to look for a combination. And it's really hard to nail down which one actually is the better deal because of the way that rate and price work. For example, the, the higher the rate, the lower the cost. The lower the rate, the higher the cost. So it depends on how you're getting presented that. And then prices change every day. So it makes it really hard for a consumer to go and say, I'm going to get a quote on Monday and they get another quote on Friday, you know, when they have time between, you know, their work, their kids or whatever and have that quote actually be accurate. So it's, it does get really kind of difficult.
2: Yeah. I've known people in the mortgage industry and I would never use a local bank because I don't think they have a diversified product. Um, or even a credit union, maybe a credit union, okay. Maybe a credit union, but to me, one, one day when I saw you had, what was called, I think it was called loan sniffer 20 years ago and it would literally like loan sifter. Okay. Sniffer sounds better. I like it, but sifter it is, um, you punch in a couple of details, my height, my weight, my preference of, I don't know, preferences. And it would show you like 20 loans and you wouldn't show me the screen. You go, yeah, I can get your loan. And then in your head, like you can say, I know people in the mortgage industry, Tony, who will be like, I'm not going to do a loan unless I make at least five thousand dollars. I've known people that are like, I'm not going to do a loan unless I make ten thousand dollars. It's not going to be worth my time. Um, and that's why price and rate sometimes differ. And there's a lot of product out there. And sometimes like a, uh, a mortgage broker, a, a bank will say, we we want to get loans done in February. So let's 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 cut our fees. So there's a lot of product out there, and to be a good lender like you, you have to have the ability to see all the product that's out there. Is that fair to say? Very well said. Yeah, very well said.
3: You know, the okay. Business is. Um, okay. Oh,
2: yeah, Finish your thought. The business is?
3: Yeah. Well, the business is it's a little difficult, especially today when a, a lot of these banks and loan originators and brokers and lenders, they're all very eager to get business. Everything's slowed down, especially refinances. We've seen that hit, you know. 30-year lows. Uh, so they're really trying to get your attention with some sort of offer, whether you qualify or not, or not. We've actually seen some lenders just give out pre-approvals for buyers, and they aren't even qualified, and then they end up switching products. So it's, it's even a little tougher today, so it just means you got to pay more attention, do a little bit more research before you really go out there and, um, and make that commitment on a purchase.
2: My son has a girlfriend who he doesn't even hold hands with, but their boyfriend and girlfriend and her father needed a loan. And we were talking one day and um, he was he was being led down a path that I don't think he was going to get a loan. So I was like, you should talk to my friend, Tony, because um, he gets loans done. And your guy, you're going to find that you're, you're not going to have a home right before school starts if you're not careful. Um, so just throwing that out there. That's a good endorsement for you. Let's talk about low down payment buyers. Um, are they a unicorn? Or are they for real? Can you get away without a down payment now? What's the minimum down payment that you're seeing? Is more better? What's happening in the world of down payments?
3: Well, um, low down payment products um, have always been there. It's the the sellers and the prices that really need to work. Right, right now we're looking at about 21% of the homes in the United States are selling above Uh, a ask price. That's not a lot compared to where it was a year or two ago. And what that means is that a lot of these low down payment buyers were being priced out because the asking price was so much higher than the market price. So their down payment was getting eaten up by the seller. So they weren't able to compete with all of the other buyers out there that were, you know, had a little bit more down, 15, 20, 30% down. So if you had a 3.5% down FHA loan, but 3.5% of it had to go over asking price or over market price, they weren't able to compete with somebody putting 20% down because they could absorb a little bit of that extra money going to the seller. But now that the market is leveled off where some homes are selling close. Or even under market price because sellers are trying to get rid of these houses and attract them in this way, low down payment buyers are now the hottest thing. So most of the transactions we're doing right now are anywhere between 10 and 5% because it actually
2: works. I'm never going to write another book. I don't like the process of it. I know people want me to, but if I were, one of my chapters would be I bought a home in my 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, probably. If I were to revise the book, it'd be in the '60s as well. Um, I bring that up because I think it's something that stresses people out, and in hindsight, it's not a bad roadmap for people. Try to buy one piece of property every ten years. It's it's a start, right?
3: Yeah, you know the, and this is what a lot of people are thinking right now, and. You know, But we also have to remember that a lot of these people have been sitting on the sidelines watching, you can go back to even 2015 or 16, watching home prices go up and they're, oh, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. Meanwhile, you know, rates came down and then boom. It just, you know, the whole market exploded between, you know, from basically the beginning of 2020, COVID all the way to the end of last year. And these people have been waiting for so long and they've had that mentality about, I wanna buy a house, I wanna buy a house, I wanna buy a house. They get kids, yeah. they wanna find the right school district. Uh, And it just keeps going on. And it really is something that you, you know, we still have that American dream about buying a house and then being able to move to another house to be in a better school district and then eventually a retirement home. And it has to start somewhere. And it's really working for some of these people who are putting the, um, you know, that saving the money, fixing their credit and really making things work so that they can start that dream
2: in my generation i was able to do my 20s 30s 40s and 50s my kids may not so i may have to give them a down payment in their 20s to get a home but i'd still like them to kind of follow my track record because i don't want them to turn 45 not own a home and then go oh my god i have to own a home and that's when the the bad decisions start coming in when people start panicking i have to do this whether it's buy stocks or buy a home there's a lot of psychology in planning this out intelligently any last thoughts? Uh, I guess maybe quickly plug your show today and your podcast that's out there.
3: So it's tomorrow, Wednesdays at two p.m. to three p.m. Mm-hmm. And then that's right. The, I pulled you.
2: I pulled you in uh, one day early. I thought today was Wednesday, but it's Tuesday, so it's tomorrow. <laughs>
3: um, no problem. It's Sources dot com is the website. Classic Home Loans is the broker. Uh, we do pretty much everything. Um, our show is pretty good about you know keeping people up to date with uh, like the trends and uh, we try to stay away from the numbers as much as we can just the trends and then um we love getting people to call in same same station just a different time and different day
2: people can find you at bayarealonesource.com if they need a referral to you and they forget your name they can always find me drop me an email and say who was that guy on his show thanks very much it's tony mendez with bayarealonesource.com I- I'm not going to say I'm in love with my own voice, but I like, as I've gotten older, things have come into focus a little bit more. And it was just recently I realized I bought a home in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and my 50s. And my generation, I'm going to say, uh, my kids' generation won't be able to copy that formula. I wasn't able to do what my dad did and buy a home for a dollar. Uh, I'm not getting your uh, time cue. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> so Bay Area home prices fell more than anywhere else in the United States last month. I try not to get caught up in that because I look at it as I'm buying a home in my twenties, my thirties, my forties and my fifties. Right. And one of the homes that I bought in my thirties was just recently upgraded in my fifties. I don't know if you can see how that worked, but then the property, the rental property I bought in my twenties, they're all working the right way. But I've taken the timing it out of it. It's been a 10 year thing. Makes it a lot easier for me. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black.
1: Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Let's do a quick market
2: update on some stocks, winners, and losers. Verizon is a little bit lower today. They matched fourth quarter earnings expectations. They issued adjusted earnings guidance for 2023 that missed expectations, but they did add subscribers. I have to imagine that most people on the planet have a cell phone that want a cell phone or they can afford a cell phone. And then we add new subscribers by people who are being born. It's an odd one to talk about. No, D.R. Horton, a big home builder. They posted a beat on their profit and revenue in its fiscal first quarter. Raytheon fell 1% today. The aerospace and defense company reported a slight beat on earnings and um, expectations. I like all this. This is all good stuff. We're talking about earnings season. And as the companies are coming to the table and saying, here's what we did, we're reacting. I'm okay with that. Um, I like earning season a lot. GE's turnaround continues. Topping expectations. Success of new era is continuing. GE is once was a huge company that had their fingers in too many types of pies, like television, like movies, like theme parks, like jet engines, like medical devices, like financing of jet engines and medical devices. Like They did too much. Light bulbs. <clears throat> so they kind of started trimming all that down. But uh, guidance for the new year, it's disappointing, but expectations for cash flow has shares rising. They were a company that had so much debt, it was all about can they service their debt. To me, that was an interesting stock in the 1980s. Um, I would say things on air like buy GE, not G-Wiz. I didn't actually say that. I think it was Warren Buffett who said that, but I'd quote him. It's just not for me in this day and age. Nah, I I can find other things. 3M is disappointing today. They offered a sobering view of the economy for the coming year. Maker of Post-it notes. Um, And many, many other office-type products. Growth has slowed for the company in recent years. Between 2013 and 2018, it reported earnings per share that grew on an average 8%. Now the average annual rate is about 2%. So I'm just going to pass on that one until they find their own level. You see a big rainstorm come, it takes out your basement, and then the water finds its own level and it settles down. I don't think that's exactly what the phrase means, but 3M's nice, but I'm going to take a pass on it right now. I don't know if you see what I'm trying to do here. Um, Tech layoffs are not alarming at all. If you're like, oh my God, the tech layoffs are crazy. Um, Net jobs in two years are quadruple what the layoffs are. It's crazy. Um, Google CEO is defending job cuts in an animated town hall as employees demand clarity on the process. This is I I feel bad, but at the same time, it's kind of funny. Um, In California, some employees become kind of like they, they feel they deserve more. Google's got a lovely, lovely culture of we treat our employees well. And then this is the first time they did a mass firing. And you're you're seeing some pretty offended taken back. I want to call them Karens, but it kind of feels like no one's really entitled to a company. If they're losing, they they, have to right size their force. You're not guaranteed that job just because it says Google on the door. Google has over 30,000 managers. That's bloat. That's a lot of bloat. That's a lot of middlemen. Um, they obviously have a lot going on with search and with cloud and with TV products and YouTube. If Google were to separate YouTube from Google, I would be very interested in YouTube, less interesting in Google. Google's going to have to figure out what to do with chat GPT. I saw something pretty cool. Someone did an article said, I asked chat GPT for real estate investment advice. And it's not bad for starting point for a 20 year old kid. Uh, What steps do you need to take to buy a house and chat GPT goes one, get pre-approved for mortgage before you start looking for a house. It's a good idea to get pre-approved Two, search for a house. Once you've been pre-approved for mortgage, you can start looking for a house three, make an offer. Once you find a house that you like, you can make an offer on the price. It's not bad. Ask ChatGPT GPT, what are the costs I need to save for when buying a house? Financing, uh, it comes back with the answer your financing. You will need a pre-approval letter. You'll need a down payment. You'll need closing costs. You'll need home inspection. You'll need insurance. You'll need legal representation, like a real estate attorney to review the legal documents that you'll be signing. You'll need to factor in moving expenses. I think that's pretty cool. Um, for those of you who are retiring, and I was going through a lot of notes yesterday from previous emails, a lot of people retire and they get a lump sum of money. It is a very, very day. Oh, and for the record, Chat GBT. Microsoft has gone big on ten billion dollars of an investment. It could displace Google, and lead to more job cuts. I'm not saying it will, but that's what people need to be thinking about. um I found an email yesterday from someone who got a hundred thirty thousand dollar lump sum pension payout. He didn't know what to do with it. Asked me. He said I looked into annuities but i've heard negative things on annuities um he was you know he wanted some advice on the best way to invest the money he's turning 60 he didn't have a 401k or an ira plan and i'm like great question um i can't tell you how many times i've gotten emails from people who've rolled that lump sum from retiring into something that creates either a huge tax liability or something that creates a huge commission for the person that got a hold of them as with a sales pitch. If one hundred thirty thousand dollars is really the chunk of your nest egg, then you most likely want to do a direct rollover to an IRA and never, ever touch the money yourself, your pension plan. Should be able to send the money directly to wherever you set up the account. Most major financial institutions have an ability for you to set up an IRA. I said call Fidelity, call Vanguard, call Charles Schwab, say, hey, I'm getting a lump sum, I'm leaving my company. And they'll ask you a couple of questions and they say, we'll fill out the paperwork for you. You just need to sign the bottom. Um that's what I would do. 130,000 is a good start if you're turning 60. It's probably not going to be enough to get you through retirement, but it's 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 better than a stick in the eye. I'd prefer you be at 500000 600000 minimum, but ugh. really, I want you to retire with 10 to 20 times your income. So there's a lot of things going on there. Just be careful and take your time and talk to Rob Black when you're going to get a lump sum. There's no shame in dropping me an email. I looked through 1,400 emails yesterday from you to me.
1: For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com.